everyone. I'm your host, April Hanna, and this is the Path 11 Podcast. Just a reminder, we are offering access to all of our archive shows, which is well over 100 hours of content, and new bonus shows such as the Virtual Book Club, Food for Thought Friday, and the Two Minute Tuesday, all for just $3.99 a month. Think about it, guys. That's less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks. Sign up for premium for just $3.99 a month. Now let's get to this week's show. And I'm excited for today's show because I'm actually bringing a friend of mine on, Stacy Morris. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about her before we begin our interview. Stacy is a self-described recovering American who had struggled with weight and self-esteem issues for most of her life. Raced during the 70s where there were few options for children and weight issues other than a steady course of shame and one deprivational diet after another, Stacy's weight continued a steady climb before reaching an all-time high of 345 pounds in 2009. The very same day she learned her weight fate, she also learned via the Oprah Winfrey show of the existence of a health guru named Diamond Dallas Page and his fitness system called DDP Yoga. And Stacy has written three books that we're going to be discussing today, Clean Comfort, An Adventure in Food, Courage and Healing, Finding Peace, Balance, and My Perfect Weight. And then she has these great two small little books of 44 recipes, one called Sweet Comfort and the other a bowl of comfort. And how Stacy and I came to meet, we actually have a mutual friend, Dennis Dominic, who's a therapeutic musician. And if you guys go way, way back in the archives, he was one of the first people that we interviewed for the podcast. And Dennis and I were joining forces and, you know, working together with a meditation Monday. And I believe Stacy covered an article on the groups that we were doing when we were holding some stuff up in Glens Falls, New York. And um, Stacy has since come to some of my meditation Monday classes at the wellness studio that I have. And she was also a participant in the book club, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a which we are doing for the podcast. So I've had a chance to know Stacy a little bit one-on-one, and but I really didn't know all that she did. She's very humble. And it wasn't until another woman who was in our group, she said, you know, Stacy's written like three books. Uh, her name's Gloria. She said, you should, you know, maybe have her on our podcast. I was like, oh my God, yeah, that would be awesome. And uh, Dennis had always told me, Stacy, that you had, you know, a really great story, but I just never got a chance to really research you and kind of get into it. And so I am thrilled not only to just know you personally, because I think you're just a cool cat to begin with, um, and uh, love the interactions that we've had in the groups that we've done together, but also like just finding out and learning more about you is amazing and these books that you've written. So welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, April. And I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Um, my story is, you know, on the surface, it's, it sounds like a traditional weight loss story, but it's really not. And sometimes people aren't always receptive to it because I, I don't, have the traditional remedies for what was ailing me and uh, because the traditional remedies didn't work for me. So um, as a result, I I feel like I I appeal to more of a limited audience, so to speak, and I'm just so thrilled whenever somebody is receptive like you to hearing my story. So thank you for being receptive. 
Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and that that's one of the things I'm glad that you mentioned that, too, is that to me, your story, it's so much more than just a weight loss story. I would totally agree. It feels to me really more of a spiritual path, a spiritual journey. You know, I kind of feel like you're just a, a normal American human being, and it's a story of transformation and healing. And that's what I really got out of it, really more than, um, you know, the weight that was lost, but really how you've transformed yourself um, and just really dedicated your life to just healing and spirituality and being healthy, which is awesome. So can you tell our audience why January 5th of 2009 was so pivotal in your life? Yeah, that was my day of reckoning. And I had no idea. I mean, this is how life works. Sometimes our most um, profound and pivotal life-changing moments we don't see coming. Uh, and even though January is typically a time when people try to get their act together and improve themselves, and I, I had no plans for doing that. I had given up New Year's resolutions a long time ago. Um, once I learned my fate that I was in the 300-pound range back in the, I think this was probably the early 90s, I just simply stopped. I didn't want to know what my weight was from that point on. And whenever I would go to the doctor, I would just say, don't tell me what it is. And I would look away from the scale. Um, this particular day, I can't explain why I decided to look down at the numbers. It was my annual checkup. And it said 345, which was very shocking to me. I mean, I kind of knew, but just to have it staring at me was, you know, it was, it was profound. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I, I was shocked. I was disappointed. And it just intensified my feeling of powerlessness. Because I, I you know, we can talk about this at length, but I tried so many things since childhood. And, um, I just, I really didn't know what to do at that point other than go home, grab my coping mechanism of choice, which was a bag of potato chips, and head to the couch. And I knew, I did know that Oprah was going to be doing a show that day where she was going to be very frank and discuss the fact that she had fallen off the wagon. And I wanted to catch that because I could really relate. So I didn't expect to see, as a guest on her show that day, Carney Wilson, who you probably know who she is, April. Most most women do. Yep. She's a, a, a pop singer. But for those who don't know who she is, uh, she's struggled with weight just like I have since childhood. And she's yo-yoed. She's been up and down. And I kind of, I related to her a lot. And I, I you know, we were like genetic twins. And I figured Carney's, there's no hope for Carney, you know, just like there's no hope for me. So I saw her that day on the show looking absolutely not just thin, but she was glowing with happiness. She was just radiating light. And I, I thought, oh, my God, uh, this is just shocking because I've never seen her like this. I've seen her in stages of weight loss, but she had a happiness to her that I'd never seen before. So that's how I found Diamond Dallas Page. She mentioned him. I Googled him. He was nobody I would have found, you know, gone to on my own. He was a former 
pro wrestler and um, very macho. And he, he had created a workout that stems from yoga that he used on himself. He's never had a weight issue, but he was pr- basically crippled from his wrestling career. And this yoga helped him get his, his uh, movement back, his mobility. Inadvertently, it ended up helping people with weight issues, too. And he's now, you know, a, a big weight loss guru. Um, but I just, I, I just didn't know what, where else to turn at that point. I thought if, if this could help Carney Wilson, a fellow hopeless case like myself, maybe it can help me. And that's how it started. I really, I had learned from my dieting career not to try to create some master plan. And, and then this is how life is going to be. I, I learned by that point in my life, I was in my mid-40s, to just follow the clues that are given to me one at a time. I, I, just, I, I just figured if I could feel a little better, that'll be great. I had no big plan to lose a lot of weight. Uh, I just wanted to incrementally feel better. I mean, I was at such a low point. That's all I wanted. And that's how it began. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Now, I know we've had some other guests on the show, and we talk a lot about consciousness and spirituality. And, you know, sometimes we'll talk about alcohol or drugs as a way to kind of self-medicate or, you know, kind of take a break from the body. And I think food is just as powerful. Food can also be used as as a drug to self-medicate. And um, how, what do you think was kind of some of the triggers throughout your childhood that brought all of this weight on? Oh, well, if you go to my website, I, I have a YouTube channel and there is a video that tell, you know, in pictures tells my story. Um, but in essence, and I think it's called my 180 pound weight loss success story. And it has that Oprah Winfrey moment in it. It's, it's cool. But, um, I was basically the target of school bullies. That's what really set me on my course of self-medicating. Um, looking back, you know, bullies are themselves very unhappy, unhealthy people. I didn't know that at the time. To me, older boys were like God when I was in first grade. And I just swallowed their messages whole. Um, I was not a fat kid. I was a tall kid. I was big boned. I was taller than some of the boys. And for whatever reason, they decided to label me as fat. And I wasn't. I look back at pictures and I'm, I'm just astonished at how they could see a fat kid. But um, eventually the, the, the names kind of sunk in and I, I became the names in, in an unconscious way. I didn't intend to do that, but and then there was the, the component of eating to, to numb my feelings. You know, I, I had to push down a lot of sorrow and a lot of anger and, and just push that all down just to survive at school. And, and then when I did start to gain weight, my parents became concerned and started putting me on diets fr- from a very young age. And back in the 70s, there were very few options. I mean, the 70s were huge in terms of diets, but they were just so unsound. They were so strict. And I was a growing kid and I would go on these 
thousand calorie a day diets and just almost go insane from the hunger because I was still literally growing. And that that set into motion um, the habit of sneaking food and eating in private and food becoming a source of both comfort and shame. And and that was a very and and it was really uh, very much a substitute for having peace in my life and having love in my life. So it became so ingrained. And if anyone thinks that can be um, unraveled easily, they have no idea what they're talking about. That's why it's such a ridiculous thing to say, just go on a diet, just exercise more, eat less. That's all you need to do. Well, if you're an emotional eater, you need to untangle a lot of cords. And that takes time. And uh, talk shows and the diet industry don't really want to deal with that, which is why only enlightened talk show hosts like you <laughs> have me on. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so how, how did this book, Clean Comfort, come to be? I mean, when I was reading it, you know, part of the things that you say, people will ask you, well, how did you do it? And you wanted to put together something that was real and kind of showing them the foods and the recipes. And I have a bunch of questions about those as well. But did you know that you were going to write a book and actually compile all this? Or did it come about because, you know, people just kept asking that question? A little of both. You know, I've worked for a long time. A big part of my career has been journalism. I've been a writer for a long time. I've always wanted to write books, but I never thought I had a story uh, until, you know, th this transformation happened to me. And also, I do get lots of questions through my website. Uh, people write to me and, and they want to know, understandably, how, how I did it. And what do I eat? And and I and I love food. I've always loved food. Um, I, I write about food. I create recipes. Um, but I, I really want, and I think I did make clear and clean comfort that food's only one part of it. There's no one answer. It's, it's a mosaic of solutions. But it's, it's very essential to have good food that's nutritional and does good things for the body, but it has to taste good because otherwise, why would you want to keep on that way of eating? Uh, so I kind of took some of my most favorite comfort foods and made them over into cleaner versions of themselves. So that's, it kind of came about through people asking me, uh, me wanting to be truthful about what it takes to walk the path and um, having some good recipes that really uh, many of them, the whole family can enjoy. Kids won't even really know that they're clean necessarily. You know, they're, they just taste good. Right. Yeah. And I loved in there how, you know, you don't apologize for still loving food. You know, it's not like you went on this transformation and this journey and food isn't important to you anymore. And I, I love that because I love food too. And I was like, yeah. okay, great. So you could still love it and enjoy it. And the recipes look yummy. Um, but I love that you weren't going to apologize for that and that you kind of came to accept that, 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 that this was also a part of who you were, was being a lover of food. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's important for anyone, especially if, if you are or were someone of size, 
or if you're just a woman, that that's a way of shaming and subjugating uh, women and people of sizes. You're not supposed to love food. Well, yeah, everyone does, and it's okay. Uh, I've just, you know, I still love it, but what I've done is I have replaced it as I've phased it out as a coping mechanism. I've put it in a different perspective. And, and part of my healing, I mean, I didn't, I, I'm, I'm working on a memoir that really delves more into my story. Um, so part of my story is that I, I had to engage in some rebellion eating. I had to take back my power because I was so shamed and monitored and judged with my food. I needed to just say, hey, this is what I'm eating. No one's going to limit me. And I did it in public, which I needed to do. No more shame eating. No more binge eating in my car or behind closed doors. I, there, there is no reason for there to be shame in anyone's eating. And I, and I, once I realized that, that was a big part of my healing. Now I took it too far. You know, life isn't always um, a straight, steady, easy path. Sometimes it's uneven and rough. But I don't regret those years because I needed to take back that power. Mm, yeah, I've, I've never actually heard anybody speak about that or call it that of rebellion eating. Yeah, I've worked with a lot of women, you know, that come from stories similar to yours of bullying or a lot of pressure from their parents and food being so restricted from them that, you know, you just kind of made a light bulb go on for me of why maybe sometimes that hiding, that secretive eating, that binge eating occurs. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Definitely. I mean, it's anything that, that is declared forbidden, you're going to want even more. That's just human <laughs> nature, you know. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I think the tough thing about food, you know, when we're kind of talking about, you know, addictions, it's like people don't need heroin or alcohol or, you know, prescription meds or whatever the case may be, but we all need food. Oh, we need food to sustain us. Yeah. It's so... It's so uh, present in our lives from the minute we're born. And also, when you think about it, the, fir the first time we're fed, what, what happens? We're held. We have to be held in order to be fed. So there is an instant and, and very deep connection between food and, and being cared for and nurtured. And it is so readily available. It's not illegal. Kids can eat it, <laughs> access to it at any age. So it's, it's a very, very um, easy drug, so to speak. I mean, it's not, it doesn't have to be a drug, but it certainly can be appropriated for, for comfort and escape. And I, I, I really understand how kids can get into it at, at a young age. And I'm, I'm just so distraught at some of the food choices that are out there for kids. They seem to have gotten worse. Yeah. I mean, some of it's gotten better. There's a great organic and whole foods movement. But then, you know, the, the junk food industry is, is propelling along as strongly as ever. So, um, you know, awareness, awareness, education. That's why I, I encourage people with families who want to get healthier to check out some of my recipes because they really do taste good and they, and they do good stuff for the body. Now, I know when you were going through your coaching um, as well, some of the things that you decided to give up were gluten, cheese, 
Um, you really eliminated, I think, a lot of sugar from your diet. And you also talked about um, your Ayurvedic dosha. Oh, yeah. All these things. So the thing about my story is it's been, you know, the, the transformation seems very sudden. It was 20, at least 20 years in the making. I mean, I would read things. I would read books by Deepak Chopra. That's where I learned about the doshas. Um 20-some years ago, I read his book, Perfect Weight, which was a very small book, and it wasn't a bestseller, simply because it had lots of practical advice, no gimmicks. <laughs> and I was at a place back then where I couldn't, it was out of the question for me to give up binge eating. I needed it. It served a purpose. But I could take little tips here and there. So he said, for my dosha, which is kapha, there are three main body types, and Kapha, Oprah Winfrey is also a kapha. We gain weight easily, but we have strong constitutions and, you know, we don't get weak if we don't eat, things like that. We really benefit from drinking hot water. So I said, okay, I can't give up binge eating, but I can drink hot water. So I had just little things I would put in place over time. Um, and I gave up diet soda and all that. I could conquer that. The food was just way bigger than anything I was capable of. And it's so true. If you do the work on yourself, I mean, I was, I did Overeaters Anonymous, therapy, past life regressions, all kinds of searching and seeking, really not thinking about weight. I just wanted to heal my inner wounds. But I had made myself ready for the weight guru, who was that wrestler. Um, I, you know, looking back, I see how it all kind of played out. And I just really that my main focus was healing my inner wounds, getting my confidence back. And believe me, if you can get confidence when you're 300 pounds, you've nailed it. And in a society like this, you know, that says you're worth nothing if you're a person of size. So once the weight guru came into my life, I had I'd learned from all my mistakes and there's no such thing as failure. It's all learning. So you mentioned all the things that I have given up or changed. I, I didn't do that all at once. I just want to make that very clear because I, I knew myself if I took too much away, uh, it would rattle me. And I, I had to do this very gradually, very lovingly. So I, I said, okay, what can I just start with? And what I started with back in 09 was I just gave up my most damaging binge foods, you know, like the potato chips and the, the and the fast food and the bread, because um, it just wasn't doing me any favors nutritionally. I just and that was big for me for for a binge eater to just not binge and just eat, you know, decide to eat when I'm hungry and start listening to my body. That was enough. That was enough of a change. And I said, okay, when you feel ready, then you'll go for another change. And um, the big changes for me were not so much giving up gluten because there are so many gluten-free substitutes out there. You don't have to go without anything. But the big um, challenge for me was giving up cow dairy because I loved cottage cheese and all kinds of cheese, pretty much lived on it. I thought it would be undoable. But I, I said, okay, my, my Dallas, my mentor wants me to give it a try. I'll do it. I know I'm going to hate it, and then I'll go back to it. 
and, and get back on dairy. Well, I ended up feeling so good, like so much more energy, and the weight really started to come off without a lot of struggle. And I decided, okay, I'll, I'm going to stick with this. I'll, I'll continue on dairy-free. Um, but I don't want people to think that you have to give up cheese completely. I, I still eat goat cheese and sheep cheese. And there are goat and sheep cheeses out there that are very similar to cheddar. And you don't have to really deprive yourself. So it was gradual changes. that, And I wanted them to feel like, changes I could live with. So no more diet mentality with here's your list of changes and you're doing them all tomorrow. That went out the window. Yeah. And that to me is what's so appealing about your story, because I think a lot of times, and I've been on the, the weight thing uh, for a good portion of my life too. And I'm one of those seekers. I want the quick fix. Just show me how it can be done quickly without putting in all the effort. I just want to lose those 10 or 20 pounds. And you know, what's, what's the trick. And what I love about even reading your blogs on your website and in your book, it's like, you got to put in work and you're very clear about that. Like you said, it's not just about things that you done to untangle those cords that you said is being an emotional eater. Yeah. And, and a big part of it, and this is what a lot of people don't want to, they're disappointed when they hear this, but you have to feel the feelings, you know, as an emotional eater, you have to be willing to face emotions head on. But I, I take a very Buddhist approach and that is, and I'm sure you, you know what I'm talking about. You just, if a feeling comes up, you let it come up and feel it. And then it, it, it goes, it passes through. It's. I always thought the feelings are so intense, they're just going to destroy me. Quite the opposite. When I allow them, they just, and I don't resist, they, they come up, they bubble up, I feel it, whether it's anger, sorrow, joy, and it, let it pass through. And it's so much easier. Believe me, I've tried, I've tried the old um, push the feelings down approach for much of my life, and that just... It, it gets me deeper and deeper in the hole. Yeah. And I'm just curious to know, cause I know that you're very much into a lot of spiritual things and, you know, you've rattled off a couple of things that was a part of your journey with past life regressions and meditation and therapy. But was there anything that was more of the metaphysical, um, experience or something along the way that also clicked like was was there something during a meditation or something during that past life regression or mm -hmm. hypnotherapy that really was also a contributing pivotal moment i can't think of any one pivotal moment i i like to think of it as every experience went into the basket and, and, and into the foundation and helped build me into who i am but one particular path that really, and I continue to use it to this day, is HUNA, H-U-N-A. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a Hawaiian spirituality, and it came into my life when I desperately needed it, which was back in the early 90s, and uh, I, I went to HUNA classes. It was a woman who still teaches in the area. Her name is Loretta Grabowski. Uh, and the thing is about HUNA is it's similar to a lot of others and uh, the knowledge of we, we all have higher selves looking out for us. And um, that was very practical for me. And my, my inner child 
is very much in touch, and she's the one who lets me know about the feelings when they come up. And um, it, it was, and I, I, it was the experience of being in a class. That's why I love your meditation classes. There's something about. I mean, yes, it's great to read, and and do things in solitude. That has its value, but. Being with other people, like-minded people in a safe environment was so important to my healing. And uh, I, I highly, and you don't have to be spiritual. You can, you can do a non-denominational meditation. You can, you can go to, um, you know, philosophy classes, whatever, but it's about getting in touch with yourself, befriending yourself and, and loving yourself. And that, that can be spiritual or non-spiritual. Great. Thank you for sharing that. And no, I, I've never heard of Huna before, so I'll have to look into that as well. Um, it's, it's a little of both, you know, there's such a huge resource out there now that the internet has so many food blogs and there's so many different ways of eating. It's almost, I mean, it can, it can make your head spin, you know, with, gluten-free, vegan, keto, paleo, sugar-free, you know, there's just so many. And what works for me, I've decided, because I can't, I, I needed to find a balance between, I needed some boundaries and structure, but if I have too many rules, I rebel. So I, I borrow from different paths, you know, like I, some of my stuff is keto, some of it's paleo, and it's and I encourage everyone to make it their own. Everyone's body is different. Um, everyone's biochemistry is a little different. So you're going to respond to um, different foods accordingly. But um, definitely gluten, for me, I'm not celiac, but it is an irritant. So I feel so much better when I'm off gluten. Um, same with dairy. It's just it like it's cloying to me. The cow dairy. Um, I can't. I used to do clam chowder a few times a year because it was one of my favorite foods. The longer I was dairy free, the worse I felt after each bowl. Like I'd get cramps and things. So um, I I just kind of tinkered with it according to what worked for my body and what I think is nutritional. And uh, I've always been, I've loved to cook since childhood, you know, since the the Betty Crocker oven days, you know, and I'm always concocting things. So, um, and I'm more of an intuitive cook. Uh, You know, I'll just come up with recipes based on what tastes good and what, what vegetables go well together. One of my favorite foods are soups. I, I soup is like a big part of my life, and it's something I often eat for dinner because I I try to make my third meal the lightest one, and that's been a process. But um, I don't know. Am I am I veering off, April? No, no, not Where at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what We're else? talking about the recipes. Yeah. Okay. What else do you want to know about the recipes? Well, no, you, you, you answered those questions and I love that it is a mix of everything because I feel like there's a little bit of everything for everyone, you know, um, which, which is wonderful. Uh, I wanted to know just a little bit more about the coaching that you do. So are you like a coach for hire? If people wanted you to be their personal coach, what is that like? Cause if people go to your website, I see that on there. And, uh, what does that entail? Well, that's something I never set out to do 
it, it came about just from people requesting it. Um, the first person who asked me if I coach, I, I was kind of taken aback. And, and then I thought, well, wait a minute. I do have, I have something to offer. I have something um, that a lot of other people aren't really um, offering. And, and I, I don't have any, and I'm upfront about it, I don't have any certifications or anything like that. It's just strictly my life experience. Um, all the things I've learned over the years, I, I've learned, I'm really an expert on what doesn't work. And I help steal, steer people away from, from that. Um, so I, you know, it's, it's very individual, but I, I'm, you know, I, I will have like a, a free consult with people. And if it feels like a fit, it's very low pressure. You know, I don't believe in pressure. I don't believe in deals and gimmicks and this offer will expire at midnight. You know, for, for what I'm offering, you have to be ready. And I, I understand a lot of people aren't, and I get that. It took me a long time to get ready, to be ready for, for real change. So if someone is ready to, to face the feelings and take some guidance on why they why they might be binge eating, um, I, I work with that. And then we we work with their food preferences, and it's, it's all about uh, – it's not so much about uh, I'm telling them what to eat – it's more centered on let's let's uncover the resistance. What are you resistant to? What are you afraid of? You know, what are you avoiding with the food? And then that can be a little scary for some people. Not not every, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but that's how I work. And I will give advice on food and movement. I mean, movement is essential for anybody. And I always tell clients, you don't have to like it. You just have to do it. You know? <laughs> right. Don't wait till you get to that, you know, rah, rah, rah mode. You might not ever get to that state where you're just, oh, God, I want to go do a, a half an hour of yoga today. Just, But you have to do it anyway because the other option is if you, if you don't, you'll decline. And I've seen that. I've seen my father. He did not want to move, and he paid the price when he, you know, got to 60 years old plus. He really paid the price. So I don't I don't say that as a way of shaming people that you you know you really should do some movement but you have to look at the choices you're making and what what do you want in the long run Great. Yeah. And if you guys get a chance, you should really head on over to her website, stacymorris.com. She spells her name with an E, S-T-A-C-E-Y, morris.com. And you have a ton of information on here. I mean, there's great stuff. Um, you know, you give a lot of links, uh, your blog, your, the way that you write is very funny and entertaining. Um, I think people are really going to eat your website up. But if people want to get copies of your books and these recipes, where is the best place? Is it your website or is it Amazon? Well, both. Um, you can go to my website. Some people want a signed copy of it, and uh, that's one way to do it. Just there's a section on there for ordering books, and also Amazon. It's available on Kindle, and um, yeah. And if I just would, I would love it if anyone reads the book and and likes it. If they could do a review, that kind of helps my visibility on Amazon. 
Absolutely. We totally understand that <laughs> with our film. So I'll be sure yeah. to get on there and uh, I'll do a review for you as well. And, and I love your Instagram page. I do, you know, more Instagram. I love following people on Instagram and I mean, you're all over social media. I mean, you name it guys, she, you can find her on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Google plus YouTube. <laughs> um, but Snapchat, I've just I've had to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stacy, it's been great great. Um, just knowing you, um, I know that our, our friendship will continue to grow over the years here. And, uh, it was great to have you on the show. I know that you've provided some great information to our listeners and I hope that, um, some of you who may be on this journey as well can really use Stacy as a resource and contact her through her website. As you can tell, if you can't tell already, she's just really a really easy person to talk to and just so down to earth. So, Oh, thank you so much, April. I, I just appreciate you giving me the time and the space for this. And um, you do amazing work as well. I love your center. And I love your, your meditation with the music with Dennis. And I'm going to be coming back. I had to take a break this summer, mm-hmm. but I missed it. So I will be back. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Well, I hope you all enjoyed that show and don't forget to sign up for our premium service with over a hundred hours of interviews, as well as our new segments, such as two minute Tuesdays, food for thought Fridays, as well as the virtual book club on Thursdays. All of these extra segments are only available for our premium subscribers. Visit the podcast section of our website at path11productions.com to learn more or to start your subscription for only $3.99 a month. If you're not interested in a premium subscription, you can still use our smartphone app for both Android and iPhones. Just search for Path 11 in the Google Play App Store, or if on an iPhone, look for Path 11 in the iOS App Store. Of course, you can still catch our latest five interview shows at any time by subscribing to the Path 11 podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and iHeartRadio. If you want more information about our films, visit our website, path11productions.com, to purchase DVDs or to rent and stream each film. You can also find our trilogy of films on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Gaia.com. Catch you next time.